Today's scripture reading is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verses 5 to 6 and 17. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. This is God's word. All right, thanks Noah for reading. Thanks Sam for uh, filling in for Abe. Um, maybe you could just replace them all together. Uh, he's not here today, I don't know where he is. But um, anyways, so it's a light crowd. I know that you, uh, many of us are busy today. Families are out for last minute opportunities for a vacation. And so knowing this, uh, you might be happy to know that today's sermon is just a little bit shorter than, than usual. Not too much, but just a little bit so that I can actually continue next week. It's really important as we continue in this subject of friendships and what we want to do as a church with regards to not only uh, creating new friendships within the church, but also uh, deepening them, deepening, forging, building good friendships as we all have and, and want to have. Noah just read for us two verses uh, from the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs has a lot to say about what it means to be a friend. Proverbs tells us in chapter 27, in fact, the whole chapter is really about friendship. It really is. Um, but, you know, it, I'm going to be dating myself a little bit. It, it's a different world. I, I'm probably still a little bit old school now as I, as I find myself getting older, but it's a different world that we live in. We've been looking at the importance of friendship you know, and what good friends are, but <clears throat> it's, it's different how people interact, how, how our children interact with each other. Social media rules the day. Did you know that? Maybe you're a little older, and so you don't quite connect. I'm sure some of us do, but especially among our teens, social media rules the day. It rules the day. Parents, let me just give you a little bit of a, a warning here. If you are not actively intervening in your children's view of the world and how they think works, because you think that you just want to give them the freedom to figure it out on, and to learn by themselves, I guarantee you, if you don't do it, someone else will. Someone else is. And social media is a powerful, powerful, beneficial tool, but also becomes something that can influence, create, inform a worldview that might be completely different from even what a biblical worldview might be. It's, it's a different world. I, I don't really do social media. I have a Facebook account. I have an Instagram account, and I never post anything. I just look at pictures. I'm a lurker. I'm a stalker, but I don't do anything. I mean, why? Because, because I have nothing to say. <laughs> I have nothing to say on social media that hasn't already been said. I don't have friends on social media. In the beginning, you know, I signed up for Facebook, and you know the competition. How many friends do you have? How many friends do you have on Facebook? I think I have 64 on Facebook. I've been a Facebook member since for over 15, 17 years. I don't even remember. That's all I have. But it's different. It's different for the next generation. It's different for my children. It's probably different for some of you. We live in a different world. Remember Zanga? Zanga, remember that? If you don't know what Zanga is, that means you're, you are either you were out of touch back then or you're very young. Okay? I had a Zanga account. Remember MySpace? MySpace. I used to, that's the only, you know, social media that, that I have ever experienced in. We live in a world today where friendship is oftentimes defined as 
our friends and followers on social network sites. We interact with others by posting vacation photos, giving updates of our children's accomplishments, maybe sharing recipes and our pet videos. And while these things, these are not bad things, but while these things can help us stay connected in, in a certain level, they're hardly building blocks of a real friendship, of a real close relationship. Several years ago in the Washington Post, a columnist by the name of Caitlin Dewey reported on a study showing that Facebook use among teenagers plummeted from 72% to 45%. 72% to 45%. So where are these kids going? They've got options. They go to Twitter, Snapchat, right? Instagram, maybe TikTok. But with all of these options, the question is, but do we really have more friends? Do we have real friends? And I don't think so. At best, there are casual connections. Today, we are more connected, globally connected, than ever before, and yet it still seems like the, one of the biggest problems in our country is this, loneliness and isolation. It has increased like never before. And because of that, anxiety, fear, depression are on the rise. Why is that? Sociologist Sherry Turkle tries to help uncover what's taking place. She says this, quote, technology is seductive when what it offers meets our human vulnerabilities. And as it turns out, we are very vulnerable indeed. This is what she says, we are lonely but fearful of intimacy. We are lonely, but fearful of intimacy. And so we have digital connections that offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship, end quote. Digital connections with the illusion of companionship without the demands of real friendship. That's what she says. And as we've been looking at Proverbs in the past couple of weeks, as you hopefully have been listening, the kind of friendship described here in the book of Proverbs, let's be very honest, it is rare. It is rare. Someone who is always there for you. Someone who will never let you down. Someone who is always available, connected to you emotionally. Someone, as we saw last week, who can be very honest with you to tell you a truth out of love, even though it might hurt even though they might be the ones get burned. That kind of friendship, do we have those in our lives? But that's what we want to look at, okay? Always there for you, never let you down, available, connected, honest. We've been looking at these characteristics in the book of Proverbs in terms of friendship. There's one more characteristic I want to talk about here, and that is this. It's found in chapter 27, verse 9, and this is what it says. The sweetness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. The sweetness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. And then a few verses later, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Okay? Now, what does that mean? The sweetness of a friend springs from his earnest counsel. What in the world does that mean? What is earnest counsel? Now, that, those two words, earnest counsel, the word earnest, literally in Hebrew, it means it comes from the heart. 
The word counsel is not what you think, okay? It's not just advice. The word counsel in Hebrew is this. It literally means secrets. Secrets. Earnest counsel in Hebrew means to tell someone a secret from your heart. It means you have someone to confide in. To confide in. Someone you can confide in. Okay? Now, how is that sweet, right? Why does that come from a friend? Let me give you two, two aspects of what this is. I think this verse is talking about. Two aspects, okay? What does it mean? Uh, earnest counsel and uh, from a friend. First, the verse says it's pleasant. Literally, it's sweet. It's reassuring. Meaning, meaning that when someone is able to genuinely share from their heart their deepest secrets with you, it's sweet. Because why? Because there's a connection. You know there is an intimacy. There's an affirmation or an assurance of a genuine bond. Because of what you're sharing, how deep you're sharing, you feel closer. We've all experienced this, right? When you are sharing with a friend or even just talking with a friend and the conversation gets more personal, more personal, a little deeper, a little deeper, more comfortable. What happens? You feel a little closer. There's an intimacy that's growing there. A friend is someone to whom you can say, I can share everything with you. No fear of judgment. No, no fear of rejection. No retaliation. That's how close you are. Earnest counsel, right? Heart secrets from a friend. It's sweet. It's pleasant, right? That's one aspect. But the second aspect, and this is where we find in verse 17, as Noah just read, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Okay? Now, let me give you two things about this verse. It's talking about two people who are friends. Iron sharpening iron. It means there's something going on when you're hanging out with people that should happen. There's a sharpening when you get together. There's a sharpening when you get together. And it's happening both ways. There's a mutuality in verse 17. Iron sharpening iron. One man to another. Another to one man or a person. Okay? Do you see this? In other words, when these friends get together, the conversation is never just one-sided. It's not just one-sided. It's one to the other and other to one. There's a mutuality going on here, a mutuality of sharing. And what this means is a real friend isn't just someone who could tell you, I can share everything with you. There's nothing I can't share with you, so let me tell you. But a real friend also, as much as he or she can share with you, a real friend, as we look at verse 17, never forgets to also ask you the question, what about you? What about you? How are you? A real friend also knows how to say, let me listen to you. So on the one hand, an earnest heart says, here, I can share everything with you. Let me tell you. But a real friend, verse 17, a mutuality is happening. They also ask you, what about you? Let me listen to you. Sometimes they say, oh, you too? Me too. You know why it's hard to have uh, 
or I think grow deeper conversation in larger group settings. <clears throat> I don't know what you think about when you think about larger, but you know why? Because everybody's trying to talk. Everybody's trying to talk. Everybody's trying to get their story in. Everybody's trying to input in, in what their views are. And it's usually the louder person. It's, it's usually the more aggressive person. If you're an introvert and you're in a, in a small group setting, it's very hard for you to say anything, isn't it? Because you can't get a word in edgewise. The conversation is dominated by that one or two or few people. But here, there's a friend who stops and asks you, what about you? The other thing we find in this passage or these verses is this. It's not just also a, a mutuality, a back and forth, a one anothering, right? But after her, having said it all, after having heard it all, guess what? Verse 17, you are sharpened. You're sharpened as iron sharpens iron. You come out of this conversation, this relationship, a little more enlightened, a little more encouraged, maybe a little more wise, even a little more counseled. Think about this. Let's say you hung out with some friends, and, and after the conversation, have you ever felt, after having hung out with your friends, discouraged? Down? A little more angrier? Have you ever hung out with people, and you come out of that, you know, that, that discussion a little more upset? Talking about a friend, when you come out of this friendship, having that mutual conversation, you're sharpened. You come out for the better. And let me be clear about this. Sometimes that means it's because you heard words or you said words that were comforting and encouraging. But sometimes it also means that you've heard words or you've spoken words, some hard, needed truth out of love and concern for this friend to you as well. Think about this. How does iron sharpen iron? And the picture, I think, the metaphor here is, I think, of two swords, two iron blades that are coming together. You know, like, like a, you know, when you're sharpening knives, it's the same idea. How do those blades become sharper? Because they rub against, against each other. There's a friction. And what that means is that when we get together, there's a mutual refining making each other better. Not because you have someone who always agrees with you, who always tries to be nice to you, right? But you also have someone in your life who is genuine enough, honest enough, right? Loving enough to give you a different perspective. Sometimes a completely different perspective that makes you say, hmm, I didn't, I didn't think about that one. You have a point. Remember last week? That's what we talked about with honesty. Faithful are the wounds of who? A friend. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And so in this relationship, Proverbs is describing a friendship where you're not just encouraged and comforted, you're sharpened. Now let's put this together. 
if you have a friendship in which there is intimacy and there's sharing from the heart, earnest counsel, there's transparency, and you're letting one another see to the bottom vulnerability, then you're going to have these two aspects. There's going to be both. There's going to be pleasantness and sweetness of a friend because there's this intimacy and bond, a genuine vulnerability with words of comfort, mutual sharing. It's not just you. It's not just me, but it's us. And at the same time, there's going to be mutual sharpening, even counsel. See, here's what I see. There are friends that we have who just want to vent, who just want to vent. Now, I've got no problems with friends who want to vent. I have friends like that. I'm like that sometimes. Maybe you have friends like that. Venting. Venting says this. Your venting friend is basically saying this to you. I just want to tell you my feelings, and I'm going to tell you my feelings. They just want to be heard. And so there is a vulnerability that they're showing you. But if that's all it is, if that's where it stops, it's only one-sided. There's no mutuality. There's no, what about you? There's no sharpening. On the other hand, we have friends, some of us who have friends, that there is some sharpening. Real, honest, truth-telling, and counsel. But that's also one-sided. Because when you hear that, it's so sharp sometimes that you feel like you're the only one being caught up. And there's no mutual vulnerability. There's no words. Me too. I feel the same way. It's got to be both. You see how unique this is? Friendships like this is unique because I think this is one of the few relationships where you can have both. Where you have this vulnerability, this mutual sharing, but also at the same time, this sharpening. Look, here's what I mean. You could come to me and ask for counsel or wisdom or advice, and, 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 and you could be very, and I could ask you for vulnerability. But how would you feel if you came to me for counsel and I say to you, hey, before you share your stuff, can I tell you about my sins this past week? <laughs> right? I, this is what I'm struggling with, and I'm suffering such a hard time, and, and this is what I did wrong, and this is how I struggle. You know, you, you, I don't know, you might like that, but you don't go to a pastor for that. There's a relationship that you're coming for. You can't do that with a therapist. If you go to a therapist, what do they do? Do you see the therapist saying to you, hey, before you tell me your problems, let me share you my problems. No, because they're a therapist. There's a professional relationship there. Friendship is one of the few relationships where you do both, where someone says, hey, this is my issue. This is my problem. This is my struggle. And by the way, you got to stop doing that. You also got to stop. Right? That's mutuality here. Now, friend who is always there, who never lets you down, available, consistent, connected with you, not socially, emotionally, mentally, honest, tell you what you really need to hear out of love and concern. You don't feel judged. They care. Earnest counsel, confiding in you, vulnerable to you, you to them, and sharpening you sharpening you. I'm going to be very honest. I don't think I have friends like this. Not enough. Not enough. Maybe one. 
Do you want a friend like this? Do you have someone like this? Consistently there for you, intimate with you, emotionally connected to you, honest, mutual counsel, mutual vulnerability? Do you have someone like this? Because what Proverbs here is saying, not just here in these verses, but the past few weeks, Proverbs is saying, you should want a friend like this. And you not just want it, you need, you need, you and I need friends like this. Now, we all have friends, okay? We all have different types of friends. I don't know how you evaluate them. But do you have a friend, someone like the one described in the book of Proverbs? Because I'm going to be very honest, the standard is pretty high. It's pretty high. The reality is, if you have even one such friend, consider yourself blessed and lucky. King David only had one best friend, Jonathan. It's difficult to find and discover and forge friends like this. Why? Because as we said before, we live in a world that is busy. In a world as busy as ours, where time is limited, where sometimes it's just short, or sometimes as soon as we make a friend, they're taken away from us. They move. They relocate. Or they get sick. It, 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 so we just, we just don't have the time. And sometimes the best that we can do is a text, maybe a picture, and an emoji. No wonder many of us sometimes feel lonely. Because we don't have all the friends our heart really desires or needs. Uh, me, and the, me and the wife, we watch a lot of K-drama. Our kids just left again for college. Uh, our son left again. And, you know, you think you'd be over it after the first time the both of them leave the house. But, um, you know, you get used to it. I, I'm used to it. But, but the thing is, like, they stayed with us over for three months. I didn't realize how long three months could be, right? You know, we were so upset because they left, and then they came back for three months. That's a that's pretty long time. So we couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for them to go back to school. I miss my freedom, right? I don't want to know what they want to eat. <laughs> I don't really care. You know, you're an adult now. But they got, and as soon as they left, that feeling of, 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 I guess, emptiness or vacancy kind of came back again just a little bit. Just a little bit. So we watch a lot of K-drama. Do you know why one of the reasons Korean dramas are popular? It's not just because of the romance. It's not just because of the action. A lot of times, K-dramas are popular because they show us a kind of friendship. It's about friendships, a lot of them, that are so good, so strong. You actually envy that. Friendships from childhood. You see on these dramas, they've been friends since childhood. And now they're into adult. They're together all the time, available. They are there through sickness and disease. They are there, and they hurt each other, but they love each other. And they come. Those dramas do a great job. I don't know if that's the reality in Korea. Maybe you can tell me. But you see those friendships. People like those dramas because they see a friendship that they really like to admire but sometimes don't see in their lives. Right? We live in a busy world. But let's be honest here. On the other hand, here's the question I have to ask you. How do you stack up 
with the book of Proverbs when it comes to being a friend. What about you? You might want a friend like this. You might evaluate your friends with these characteristics, but the question needs to be flipped around. What kind of friend are you? What kind of friend have you been? Because the honest truth is this. It's maybe, maybe it's not just because of our lack of time or our busy schedules or all our various responsibilities, but maybe we need to admit and confess, maybe we don't have friends like this because we really haven't been a good friend like this. We haven't been a good friend like this. Several months ago, one of my closest friends in Canada. And, and guys, we're, we're, we're bad at being intimate. So we get caught off guard when one of our brothers gets really emotional, right? It kind of scares us. But, uh, you know, my close friend calls me up out of nowhere. He's called me up before. And, and you know, when he calls up, it, it, what, the conversation usually sounds like this. We speak English and we mix it up with Korean curse words, right? It's banter. It's just nonstop. Hey, what are you? You know, it's just, it's just it's a way of catching up. It's like we never left when we talk, ever since college. But one day he calls me up, and, and, and immediately I say it's him, and I pick it up, and I, say, and I, and I immediately call him a bad way. What, 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 what's going on? And then I hear his voice, and it's shaking. Right? And, and I realized he's not, he's not joking around. He's serious, and, and, and it's emotional. And I'm like, oh, I was like, what's going on? What happened? What happened? And he says, I had to put down my dog today. I had to put down my dog today. Now, I don't have a dog. I don't want a dog. It's too much work. But here's a guy who I've never heard cry, not much. And now he's crying over the phone, calling me, emotionally vulnerable, because his pet passed away. I'm gonna be very honest. I almost said something mean, because I was freaked out. I didn't know what to say. I thought he was sick. I thought maybe his family was sick. I thought something terrible happened, and he told me, you know, and, and I'm a pet lover. I love pets, but, but maybe, maybe not like that. But I had to be quiet. I had to listen. I had to hear him. Uh, because there was an emotional vulnerability there that he was sharing with me, real, real hard emotional vulnerability, that I needed to listen, and I needed to work at this. But it was hard to be a good friend. It was really hard. Listen, it was hard to do that, not just because I was uncomfortable, but because there was a part that I couldn't quite relate with. I wasn't being a good friend. I want friends like Proverbs. Am I being a friend like Proverbs? Maybe sociologist Sherry Turkle was right. We are lonely, but fearful of intimacy. The illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Here's what I think sometimes. If you have problems and if you struggle with building and finding and growing friends like Proverbs says, maybe the problem is also this. You're afraid. You're afraid to give. To give that kind of vulnerability. And because you're not so good at giving it, you're also not getting it. You're not getting it. 
I think most of us here would agree that friends are important. They're more important than we think. That's what we've said. But here's what we need to know. As a person of faith, as important as friends are, as much as we want and, and need really good friends, especially like the ones described in Proverbs, here's what I want you to know. You will not find such friends until you learn to become such a friend to others. You will not find such a friend until you learn to become such a friend to others. Let me put it one step further. As a person of faith, you will not find such friends until you first appreciate your friendship with God. Why? Because only when I understand and appreciate my friendship with God will I become free enough, liberated enough to be the kind of friend I want and the kind of friend I need to be to others. You know that hymn, that song? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins, all our grief to bear. A friend who bore our sins, carried our griefs, and made us his friends. You see, if I know that I've, I've been made a friend through Jesus Christ, that this Jesus, the Son of God, the ultimate friend, he trusts me and he loves me no matter what. That the Son of God is always there for me. That, that he will never turn his back on me. That he speaks to me through his word, not just with words of comfort and love, but truth and counsel. If I really know this friendship in my life, then guess what? I can live in such a way and be a friend to others in such a way that I will never be disappointed by human friends. Because I have a faithful God who is my ultimate friend. Why? One author puts it this way. Because of my friendship with God, all my eggs are not in the human friendship basket. End quote. Because of my friendship with God, all my eggs are not in the human friendship. Kids, all right, kids, listen to me very carefully. I know, because I had kids too. I still do. Friends are so important to you. I know it. You'd rather spend more of your time doing more things, even the same things you do with your family. You'd rather do it with your friends than even your own parents. I get it. I understand. Friends are so, so important for you. If you don't have a friend, you feel like you're lost. If you don't have someone to talk to or hang out, you feel alone. You don't want to be that person. I, I, I understand. And adults, guess what? Sometimes you're the same. I'm looking for a church with community. No, you're looking for friends. Like you. Your age. Your demographic. Your line of work. That's what you're looking for. And I don't feel comfortable here because why? There's no community. No, because you can't find a friend. Friends. 
Friends are important. We, I know, I understand. That's what Proverbs is saying. They're more important than you. But as a person of faith, listen carefully, as a person of faith, what Proverbs here is trying to tell us, not just in these verses, but in the past few weeks, Proverbs is saying it's not first about finding your BFF. Friendship with people, as important as that is, is not the final goal. Human friendship is not the end. It's not the goal. It's not even the ultimate. God's friendship is. And because God's friendship is, then human friendships, like the ones described in Proverbs, become possible. I don't know about you. Uh, Most of you, I'm going to guess, if you've been in the church for a long time, you're still here because of your parents. Maybe you came to faith because of your family. Some of you here, maybe you're in the church still and you came to Christ through a friend. Maybe in college, like I did. In college. I was an atheist for a couple years. I grew up in church, but I didn't like church. And I... I went the other way. I, I, you know, I was an intellectual, I was a nerd, and I, 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 you know, I was a complete atheist for a couple of years in college, and then I, f- I found friends. So on the one hand, many of us have come to know God, become a friend of God through good friends, good Christian friends. But having said that, as true as that might be for you and me, let's be clear about what Proverbs is also affirming, that the only friend you could ever have that is perfect is the one you have in Jesus Christ. And if you want to discover deeper relationships, deeper friends, if you want to build, if you want to grow good friendships, then as a person of faith, the most important friend you need to know is Jesus Christ. The most important friend you need to have is the Son of God himself, not a human friend. Because there is none like him. You know that song we sing sometimes? There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Do you see this? See, this boggles my mind because for Christians, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be the one who understands the idea of grace more than anyone else. But in our friendships today, the way we treat our friends, the way they treat us, is so transactional sometimes. It's tit for tat. It's if I'll do this for you because you've done it for me. It's I'm there for you as long as you're there for me. And the moment that you fail your part, I'm no longer your friend. So we don't engage. But friendship with God liberates me to be a great friend that I ought to be to others, no matter the return. Do you hear this? My friendship with God frees me up to be a kind of friend that I need to be to others, no matter the return. I can give without fear of losing because I've already received so much from Jesus Christ, my friend. I can love without fear of rejection because I've already been accepted by a greater friend. 
I can be open, transparent, vulnerable, without fear of judgment and shame. Why? Because I have a friend who knows me like no one else, and he still loves me. And even when I need to speak hard and needed truth to someone I really care about and get burned in the process, I have a friend, Jesus Christ, who knows exactly what that feels like. Until I learn to acknowledge his friendship in my life and appreciate that, cultivate my friendship with the only friend who ever really gave his life for me, until I know and love this greatest friend in history that I could ever have, Proverbs is saying, only then do I become the friend I need to be. And when I become the friend I need to be, only then do I find myself getting the great friends I need to have. Make sense? I'll just end with this verse. You know this verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We could change that a little bit. Seek first friendship with God and all these friends that you need will be added unto you. How are you doing? Not just your human friends. With your relation with God, how are you doing? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that by grace, through faith, according to your word, and the power of your spirit, you call us friends. What does that mean for us today? How does that affect my friendships with others? Is there a connection? There ought to be especially in the church, there ought to be. And sometimes, Lord, there's such a disconnect. We pray for your grace again. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your provisions that you give to us, not only what we desperately need the most, but what you see we need the most as well. And that's our relationship with you whether it's weak, whether it's strong, whether it's not even sure if it's there. Help us to understand, help us to grow, help us to think, help us to engage with that aspect. In order that we might not only be enriched, encouraged, sharpened by you, but that we become a friend who gets friends who are faithful, committed, connected, honest, genuinely vulnerable, and sharpens us, and vice versa. Help us to grow such relationships in the church, 
in our lives, in our families, maybe even at work, or whatever the case is, we pray that we will never forget or lose sight of the greatest friend we ever had. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.